The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to Friday Night Live with me, Hafiz Shaban, on this Friday evening. Friday the 28th of February 2020 and of course corresponding to the to the 4th I make it 4th of Rajab 1441 as usual we are broadcasting live to Luton on 105.1 FM uh, and also to our sister stations across uh, across the UK Sheffield Link FM Salaamu Alaikum to our listeners in Sheffield uh, in Peterborough in Derby in Nottingham and any of the other good cities and surrounding areas where you may be tuned in to Inspire FM and Friday Night Live this evening. Of course, as usual, you can listen in to us and tune in to us via our Inspire FM app, uh, via Inspire FM website, and of course, last but not least, uh, live streaming on Facebook. So, uh, plenty of options for you to tune in. Most importantly, as always, we recommend and we advise and we encourage our listeners join today's discussion, join today's debate. I've got some interesting topics that we're going to be we're going to be discussing uh, this evening. Uh, so, inshallah, get your voices heard, get your points of view across to us our panelists our listeners uh, nationally and your thoughts your opinions do count so don't remain silent 01582 01582 if you're calling from outside Luton 01582 481822 is the number to speak to me direct the hotline to speak to me directly here in the studio 01582 481822 uh, SMS WhatsApp messages uh, 0779 0779 will be delivered directly in front of the screen which is now presented in front of me where I am sitting so Alhamdulillah before I had to turn to the left but now wow the fantastic changes that have been made here in the studio means I get those messages right in front of me right so any SMS WhatsApp messages will be brought right in front of me and I will promise you entertain and bring those conversations and those messages into my show this evening okay so plenty to discuss inshallah tonight uh, with me uh, but before we go into it of course we're a stone throw away from uh, Ramadan Rajab has already started so we're gonna be covering some aspects of Rajab and Rajab is of course a very sacred and in Islam a very important month in the Islamic calendar so we'll be discussing that later inshallah but what do we have lined up for you this evening as I promise if some very very interesting stories you must have been uh, intrigued and you must have been a you know dominated uh, by the recent stories and discussions around Saudi advising and announcing a temporary ban on some of the Umrah visas for some of the countries that have been impacted by the coronavirus right so that's been making headlines of course coronavirus continues to make headlines it's interesting because you're going to town you're going to shops you're going to takeaways and even massages and people are discussing this subject matter so it looks like it's caught a, a, the attention of uh, the world and the people uh, and and more so because Saudi then announced a temporary ban on on visas for certain countries impacted by the coronavirus so we're going to we're going to we're going to try to speak to uh, some of the travel agencies and try to get some clarity on what that means and uh, we're also going to try to speak to some individuals who have planned and booked Umrah over the next coming days and we're going to try to understand what does that mean for them does it mean anything for them or are they pressing ahead with their plans as per normal 
that's our leading story we're also going to be covering uh, hindu fascist violence uh, extremist violence bjp extremist violence that we've seen you know in the name of of course uh, this fascism that we're seeing in delhi i mean this has been three or four days of violence i don't know if a lot of our followers a lot of our listeners have actually followed this story because it hasn't necessarily caught the world's media attention uh, as it ought to 37 people i understand now have died right in the deadliest violence in the indian capital city that the you know for for decades three nights of rioting right yeah, and uh, you know and india's murder cry has been jay shri ram so in the name of hinduism we're seeing this violence against the Muslims of, of, of Delhi. So we're going to be speaking to a diplomatic correspondent of the Hindu newspaper. And we're also going to be speaking to an, uh, an Indian Muslim a political analyst who's going to give us, uh, give us his thoughts and uh, give us an update on t- in terms of what's been happening in Delhi and in India. So those are the inter- some of the international stories we're going to be covering. More local, we're get, we've got in the next hour uh, or the, the second hour of the show, we're going to be covering a Luton budget, a Luton council budget tax rise that's an incredible high-risk budget that has been announced by the Luton Council with 4% council tax rise approved by Luton Borough Council what on earth is happening you know I think this was discussed last week by brother Zuffer who was in the hot st- uh, hot seat discussing this I'm gonna be speaking to councillor Andy Malcolm and finding out what is driving these crazy proposals uh, and this increase in terms of the council taxes so if you want to get your thoughts across if you want to get your opinions if you want to you know put some very candid thoughts and opinions across to the council members do that this is your opportunity a four percent council tax rise i mean every year we're seeing these council tax bills increase year on year and what are we getting in return is it really value for money those are the questions that we need to be raising to these accountable representatives right so don't remain silent i want to hear from you if you're happy with a four percent council tax rise then remain silent if you're not happy with it then get your thoughts across to the to the councillor later on uh, this uh, this evening inshallah so those are some of the topics that we're going to be covering a couple of other topics but i'll introduce those later uh, because i've already taken six minutes of the opening of the show inshallah ta'ala. so we're going to be going straight into the lead story in the next couple of seconds and that is the coronavirus and the impact that is potentially about to have on people uh, of certain nationalities certain countries planning to make umrah Right, inshallah, ta'ala, let's go into our leading story. And of course, a lot of our listeners, you know, a lot of our listeners, and I know this because from my personal experiences out there interacting with the community, going and visiting massages, visiting shops, visiting takeaways, it seems to be almost a topic of discussion. A number one topic of discussion, and that's the coronavirus, right? So it continues to make headlines for obvious reasons, right? Nearly 3,000 people. Right, I believe have now died as a result of the virus. If I've got my figures, statistics correct, it has infected more than 82,000 people globally, prompting warnings that the world 
is fast approaching a tipping point, right? So what really caught their headlines for a lot of the people and especially the Muslim community is that Saudi Arabia announced recently, I don't know if you've heard this, Saudi Arabia announced recently that it's closing uh, the haram to, uh, to certain pilgrims uh, from entering the country as fears surrounding the coronavirus outbreak continue to grow in the Middle East, right? So we know that the officials in the kingdom are now closely monitoring closely monitoring uh, in uh, you know people coming in from Iran China South Korea and Italy those are some of the countries that have been put on high alert. So Thursday screening passengers from these countries at the Riyadh's King Khalid International Airport. But of course, there's a huge concern around Ramadan being around the corner, Hajj being a couple of months uh, you know, you know, away. And of course, already the virus has now spread into the, into the Middle East. Into the Middle East, we know Kuwait has announced cases, Bahrain, Iran, United Arab Emirates, Oman, and so on and so forth. And I think this is a way that Saudi, which hasn't announced any cases up until this moment, is trying to contain this epidemic and stop it from entering into Saudi. Right. That's the introduction. That's the background. We're going to hopefully be trying to speak to an agency, one of the travel agencies in Shalatala, so they can add some clarity around what the, the consulate, the Saudi consulate, have advised with regards to what about the UK pe people from the UK that want to go and perform Umrah. Uh, what, are they impacted by it? I need to understand that. I also understand at the moment it is business as usual because I know brothers and people who are going uh, to perform Umrah and at the moment they're telling me it's business as usual. Do we have anyone lined up? Okay, uh, okay, we, we have someone lined up but I can't see it. Uh, okay, uh, Asalaamu Alaikum, is, is it Rahil on, 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 the, on, on the phone? Welcome, yes, it is. Yeah, for joining us on Friday Night Live this evening. So I've just done the introduction to, to our listeners with regards to, you know, the, the Saudi, uh, you know, of course, incent uh, no, not the incentive, but the Saudi, you know, in, in, imposing a certain ban on certain countries that have been impacted by the coronavirus, right? You're, of course, plan you've made plans to go to do Umrah in the next few days, I understand. Has, has it impacted your plans at, at the moment? Yes, it has basically because um, I'm due to fly out tomorrow morning. Right. Uh, but I've kind of got half lucky in the sense that I'm flying to uh, Istanbul for three nights, right. and then I'm going to do Umrah. Right. So I'm still in middle middle ground really at the moment because my family saying that what are you going to do? What if you go to Istanbul and then you're not allowed to enter Saudi? Yeah. So what are you going to do next? Right. So obviously it's impacted all our plans for the last couple of days. It's just been turmoil. Is it a complete uncertainty, or is there is there any point of uh, direction where you can get gui guidance on on, uh, on 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 what the Saudi authorities zero, are saying? Zero guidance at the moment. All we were told that on a, on a Wednesday night, I actually sent a text message out to my friends hmm. saying that by the way I'm traveling for Umrah on Saturday. Yeah. And the next thing you know, two hours later, all this news are spreading that they've banned people going for Umrah. So obviously hmm. that kind of shook me. Then all Thursday, while I was at work, I was trying to find out what's going on. Yeah. Um, I contacted um, a company that's, that's doing my transfers in Saudi and they've turned around and said to me that what they believe is a lockdown for 48 hours because what they're doing is they're installing um, the scanning machines at the airport. Yeah, right. So okay. I'm hoping that is the case and it opens up, otherwise you're off the kick without a paddle, aren't you? Mm, mm. And uh, in terms of going, getting in touch with the consulate, Saudi consulate, any, any look there or you haven't tried those uh, that, uh, that avenue? No, I, I I tried ringing the Saudi embassy, mm. um, but it was obviously whoever got there before me was 
killing the line because I just at all. It just really upsetting. I mean, I, I understand. To be honest, I wasn't very that surprised when they did this because I was like, hang on, the coronavirus mm. is spreading. And I expected this to be a bit earlier. But it's just the suddenness, suddenness of it. If they just plan it a little bit better and say, by the way, well, those people traveling at this time don't come, we're going to do something. Right. We've got a chance. Right. And I, I, feel, I feel more sorry for people like coming from like from Pakistan and other kind of poorer countries who probably had their life saving yeah. and then can't enter now. Yeah, but okay. So, so uh, do we have Brother Adnan on, on on the call? Okay, so we've got Brother Adnan on on the call, who's from Medina Travels, Hajj and Umrah. Uh, Rahil, just ha- just hang in there from Birmingham, right? So let's see if Brother Adnan can add some clarity in terms of what is the direction that they've been given. Uh, Brother Adnan, alaikum and Jazakallah for joining us on Friday Night Live. Wa alaikum salam, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah. alhamdulillah. Khi. For, for for joining us on a, on a very short notice. Uh, all right, so, so, so I think it's very important. For the community, as brother, I think it's brother Rahil who was just on the phone just a second ago. Yeah, he's still on the on on the phone. Yeah, perfect. Okay, because um, I think he it's, his tone of voice and what he said, there's a lot of uncertainty in his voice. Yes. Okay, let me just give you a quick update with right. regards to the 48 hours. You have to remember, these scanners have to be tested, tried, installed, and everything. Sure. And it's going to take a little bit longer than 48 hours. Yeah. So the initial was 48 hours, but it will probably take an extra 48 hours, so probably the whole weekend, mm. going into probably the first couple of days of March as well. Really? But yes, that will happen, and it will open up again. But again, uh, some of the countries that you've mentioned, um, especially uh, places like India, Pakistan, and Bangladesh, uh, merrily, they are going to be open up somewhere after the 15th of March. Right. Uh, but, so they won't be opening up yet. Yeah, but brother now, Adnan, uh, w- w- what about UK, right? So I mean, b- b- brother Rahil, he's he's flying out tomorrow, I'm right, just, to Turkey. I'm just coming up to that. I'm just okay, up all right. That now. So, um, so with, with, I'm just giving you a quick background. Sure. Uh, okay, that's fine. I appreciate that. Yes. So uh, everybody who have got visas, everybody who's got visas. Now there's two types of visas that people can get. One's a tourist visa. Yeah. And the other is an actual Umrah visa. Yeah. Now, anybody who's got a tourist visa will last you for a whole year. Yeah. And it's a multiple entry. And Umrah visa, there's um, a stop-off point, a cut-off point of it. So with regards to the visas, once it's applied for, it's applied for full stop. You can't renew it. Uh, You'll have to just um, get another visa to enter the country. Yeah. But with the uh, tourist visa, you can re-enter. Yeah. Now, with your flights, with your flights, Mm. now, because it's not the customer who's not going, or it's not um, anybody's fault. The, the airlines are offering full refund for every single person. All right. So let me just clarify that again, a full refund. Now, Brother Rahil is going to go to Turkey, yeah. and if he's going to spend three days there and then carry on to Saudi, he will not be allowed to go into Saudi if they haven't opened it up, which oh. I don't think they will open it up by Monday or Tuesday. Right, right. Okay, okay, just hold on to that thought. I, th- I, I understand we've got another travel agent also joining us, Shahid Kois uh, from from here, a, a, a local uh, Luton based. Uh, Shahid, uh, Shahid, salam alaikum. 
I can't fly to Pakistan. So it looks like you're you're you're, you're hitting two uh, you're, you're hitting two birds with one stone, Achim, and you're, you're you're going there, but you've also got <laughs> other, other, other objectives too. So Alhamdulillah. All, all I, I said this was a unique situation. Yeah. The majority of the people that traveling to Umrah are just traveling to Umrah. Yes. So that is yeah. a, obviously yours. Yours is obviously you got multiple destination and yes. a, a, a journey. So yes. that, that's a unique situation altogether. Yes. Ninety yeah. percent uh, people won't probably be in in that kind of. Uh, in that kind of situation, so yes. just bear that in mind. All right, I, I know Brother Adnan has to go, he's got limited time. Uh, Brother Adnan, you, you were going to add, uh, I think, a final point before yes, I, I interjected. Just going to add one more other thing. Yes. Uh, with regards to tourist visas, yeah. they will not let any tourist visas in as well. Say that again? Any tourist visa, any tourist visa holder yeah. going to Jeddah or Medina, Jeddah or Medina, they will not let them in. Right, so if you've got a tourist visa and you're trying to enter into Mecca or Medina, into the harams, right, and uh, you're, you're randomly stopped and checked and they see that you've got a tourist no, no, visa. No, 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 no. Oh. It's not even no, no, no. stopped and checked. Okay. No, yeah, any visa is any visa. They're not, they're not oh, at the airport, at the airport. They won't even yeah. let you fly on the airplane. No, the airlines are not allowing you to fly with anything at the moment. The airlines are not even letting you in. Offering full even, even, even with the, sorry, even with a tourist visa. Yeah. Even yes, with the they're not. Yes, they're not. They're not. That, 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 that's not the advice you've given. Yeah. So, so, if you go, if you, if you speak to the airlines yeah. that you booked with, yeah. and speak to them, and they'll say, can you please get on this flight? They'll probably, they, they will say no. They will, you, they won't allow you. This flight's not going to Saudi. So, so you're it's saying? Uh, can we just clarify this, guys? Uh, brother Adnan, uh, uh, if your flight, because yeah. your flight is to Istanbul. Now, Istanbul, yeah. that isn't a problem. Yeah. So, from you going from Birmingham to, uh, sorry, from the UK to Istanbul, you haven't got a problem. Yes. But from Istanbul yeah. to Jizna, that leg, you're going to have a problem. Yes. 100%. Okay. All right. So, you're. So, do you understand a bit? But another, another you, thing you, that um, Brother Shaitan confirmed as well um, the tourist visa, the biggest difference between the tourist visa and the Umrah visa is, God forbid, if you become ill or anything happens to you in Saudi Arabia, you have no medical insurance, full stop. And when you do go into a hospital or go see a doctor, mm. you, will, you will be hit by a hefty bill. Well, for, yeah, for, so, for the yeah. tourist visa. If, you're, uh, if you've got a tourist visa, visa right. No, that, that's no, that's, 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 sorry, I'm sorry, but that's incorrect. Because when, when we apply for the tourist visa, there, there was yes. an element of that was for travel, was for medical insurance. So that's included in the 95 pounds right. you pay for the, for the tourist visa. Okay, uh, all right, so there, there, there might check, be... Double check that. All right, just double check that. Okay. I, 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 I booked my ID myself. All right, okay, okay, gents. Okay, we, we're f fast running out of time. So, okay, Adnan, I know you have to go. Uh, so, Jazakallah yep. for, for your time and, and for joining us. Really appreciate that. Remember, everybody in the and I'll speak to you Inshallah, Okay, Brother Rahil, we've got about four minutes left. or So, So I guess it's, it's plan uh, business as usual for yourself in terms of going, Inshallah, tomorrow. So, just remember in your du'as, if you, if you do get through, but if you yeah. are unable to get through, I, I think let's, yeah. uh, let's also remember the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ with regards to ap epidemics and plagues. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and inshallah, the intention is there. Uh, and you've done everything in, in, in your capacity to be able to go and perform the Umrah. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it from you, inshallah. And I guess uh -huh. it, it can be frustrating, but we just gotta be, we gotta, we got to have sabr. But I do, I, I do agree with you that it would help if there was a lot more better communication. There, there has to be a better means of, of communicating these kind of things, right? Uh, so that people are not left in the dark uh, and not left to you know, different agents advising them different things based upon what their understandings are. 
I, I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah. I think hopefully, inshallah. The, the problem is, is well, in, in any, well, any industry, communication is always uh, a problem, uh, isn't it? They don't yeah. have communication. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All but, I say is go back to the go back to the agent that you rang with, you you're traveling with, or you booked with. Uh, they're probably the best one to advise, and you can go because obviously, uh, from dome tours, our advice is obviously we're not we're not uh, advising any of ours in the next 48 hours or 72 hours to travel, uh, and obviously we are looking at obviously alternative plans for them. Um, so whoever you've booked with, I would say just just um, talk to them directly. They can give you the best information from that basis. So, yeah, my, so, problem, my problem is I'm, I did a DIY job, so I did all Yeah, he did it himself. Ah. <laughs> uh, 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 Shahid, just the last, last couple of minutes, right? So so what is the current advice and people who are listening in and maybe were planning Umrah in, in, in around April time frame? Is, is it is nothing for them to be worried about? Business as usual? Keep, you just well, stay there's, in? There's, there's, again, there's no, um, like you said, there's, there's no... There's no case of virus in Saudi at this current moment, yeah. which is which is a very good news. Mm. Um, now, in terms of, you can obviously if there is if the government are cancelling um, the situation, the, the airlines will refund you if you have booked airlines. Two agents. But what about people who have you know paid the agents for visas and for other processing and for yeah, deposits for hotels? Paid, if you paid if you paid a a Umrah visa, tourist visa, that, that visa runs for the whole year anyway. Right. Uh, in terms of obviously, if you are if you are if you can't travel, then the, the agents normally would find a, another time when they travel or they refund you because obviously you're not exactly you can't travel, but it's not because of yourself. Okay. It's because of the of the of the hotels. All right, all right. Uh, Jazakallah, hey guys. On that, on that note, unfortunately, we, we're run, we're running out of time. Uh, Brother Rahil, Jazakallah hey, for for joining us for all the way from Bradford. And, and just to let you know, just the, the visa is non-refund. The visa that you booked is non-refundable. Yeah. Right. Because right. you've you that visa is annual visa. Okay. So all you've right. taken an annual visa, out, so Fine. you can travel at any point. Okay. Uh, Brother Shahid, Jazakallah hey, representing Dom Tours for joining us this evening on Friday Night Live. Jazakallah hey, both for you. Okay. All right. Okay, listeners, that was, uh, uh, we had a couple of agents on, on the call. We had a, a brother who is intending uh, on performing Umrah in the next couple of days. As you can, uh, as you heard, uh, a, a bit of a confusion there in terms of what should, uh, you know, what, what should anyone who's planned and, and booked himself and scheduled himself to be in uh, in the Haram over the next 48 hours do? Uh, because at the moment, of course, the Saudi authorities are preventing people from entering. Uh, that's what is we're being told until they've been able to successfully install these scanners uh, and these uh, you know scanners at the airports to be able to de- detect uh, people with temperature or with particular you know you know carrying any particular kind of viruses or infections right uh, so subhanallah that that's the advice speak to your lo- local travel agents and get any advice from them inshallah uh, and uh, that was the conversation that we were having if you uh, we're going to go into commercial break we'll be back in a couple of minutes and then we'll pick up the conversation then inshallah assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi Asalaamu Alaikum, this is Atif Nawaz. Listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Assalamu Alaikum Warahmatullahi Wabarakatuh. Welcome back to Friday Night Live with me, Hafiz Shaban, on in Luton Inspire FM 105.1 FM 01582481822. Is the number here in the studio 0779481822. Right, so first half an hour, we've just been discussing the coronavirus and the impact to potential individuals who are planning to go and perform Umrah. We had a couple of travel agents on the calls. Uh, 
earlier uh, and we had a brother who is planning intending on performing Umrah and traveling tomorrow there seemed to be some confusion not a lot of clarity in terms of what is the directive from the Saudi authorities uh, probably not surprising there uh, question I've got for my listeners is is anyone else is anyone else planning to go and perform Umrah over the next couple of days? And are you finding yourself in a similar situation? Please get in touch because we would love to hear from your experiences in terms of what you're being told and what you're planning to do, right? If that's the case that you're planning to perform Umrah over the next couple of days, right? If you're planning to perform Umrah in April or later in March, it's inshallah ta'ala by, by the sounds of what we're being told, uh, the Saudi authorities will be in a, in a position to be able to deal with it and do the necessary checks, health checks on uh, potential pilgrims as they enter into their borders inshallah ta'ala, right? But we're, we're talking about more in, in terms of people who are planning or have got visas to go in the next couple of days. Alright, so if you are if you are planning or you know someone who's planning, 01582 481822 Right, so we're going to be moving on to our next story, inshallah, uh, this evening. And that is a, a, a very traumatic story. Uh, and that's uh, surrounding uh, violence that's uh, been you know, going on for the last couple of days in Delhi, in India. Now, India has been making all sorts of headlines for a number of days, for a number of days, for a number of weeks, number of months. Uh, arguably a number of years now, right? Uh, so what we've seen over the last couple of days is Delhi on fire, right? Delhi, which is the capital of India. Delhi riots continue to take place in New Delhi. Sunday, uh, protesters, of course, and this is about, you know, the controversial citizenship law, uh, which there's been protests around the controversial citizenship law now for a number of weeks, months. Uh, so that's not new and that's not surprising. But the last three nights, four nights, there's been rioting specifically targeting against Muslims. Again, something not new when it comes to Indian history against Muslims. Armed mobs have been targeting right Muslim homes, shops, places of worship. Very, very traumatic photographs. Very, very traumatic videos. Social media have, has been highlighting the shocking acts that are being carried out by so-called Hindu extremists as their mobs beat unarmed men with sticks, iron rods and stones and of course they're calling it out under the name of Jay Shah, what do they call it? Jay Shiri Ram, right? Uh, that's the mantra that they're calling upon. Now, a, 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 a latest statistics that I, I came across earlier was 37 people, 37 people been killed so far in the deadliest violence the Indian capital has seen for decades. And as I said, chilling, chilling social media messages going around showing footage of what's happening, including many massages being burnt, right? Many massages being burnt, attacked, the Hindu flag, right? The Hindu flag being, you know, you know, erected, you know, and, and flown on top of these massages. And the list continues. Now, we're going we're gonna to try to speak to 
uh, Ibn Ilyas. Okay, we're going we're to speak to Ibn, Ibn Ilyas, who is a political analyst and also originally from India. Hopefully, he's going to be shedding some light in terms of what's happening in India at the moment. And this is, of course, on the back end of we've seen what's happening in Kashmir. We've seen the unprecedented, you know, political actions that India, uh, Indian BJP government has taken with regards to Kashmir. We've seen Kashmir on, you know, on, on uh, uh, we've seen uh, Kashmir on uh, completely blackout in terms of the social media, media reporting in terms of what's happening there, human violations we know are rampant in Kashmir. Over and beyond that, now we're seeing all of this happening in New Delhi. Uh, Brother I- Ibn Ilyas, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, and welcome to Friday Night Live. Yeah, Jazakallah khair. Welcome, Salam, brother. All right, uh, Jazakallah khair, Akhi. I, I understand you You are originally from India yourself, right? So I've just given a brief introduction in terms of uh, what's been happening in New Delhi over the last couple of nights. We've also got a, a, a Kalal, I believe, Patarji, who's a diplomatic correspondent at the Hindu newspaper, also joining us. He's also on the call. We're going to speak to him shortly. But why don't you fill us in firstly? I mean, what's been what, what's been happening over the last couple of days? And the general media has been quiet with regards to reporting this. Uh, so so t- tell us, t- tell our listeners what's been happening. Yeah, I think as you mentioned in your uh, introduction about the events that have happening in Delhi from last uh, week or so. Uh, mm. It's just not an isolated incident because uh, the, the protests are, are going on in uh, Delhi from last two and a half months. Mm. Uh, first, Jamia was targeted, then JNU was targeted by, you know, the goons uh, backed by the government. So, uh, you know, it's not a one-off or isolated incident that has happened in Delhi in the last three, four days. And there was, you know, these um, there was this 85-year-old lady who was burnt in, in her house. Mm. And as you said, masajids were, you know, uh, damaged and uh, the religious places were damaged. So, uh, you know, uh, this is this is not a one-off incident. And we, we have a precedence of these sort of incidents in India against the minorities, basically, mm. especially the Muslims, where we have like the Gujarat 2002 riots, uh, you know, which, which we all know, which is nothing new. Yeah. And again, this same duo, uh, Prime Minister Modi was the chief minister of uh, India, of Gujarat at the time, and 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 the Home Minister of India, who is at the moment Amisha, he was the Home Minister of Gujarat. So, mm. so it is just uh, these things have been replicated nationwide. So, uh, you know, and 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 these are not isolated incidents. Right. Whoever says these are isolated incidents, they have precedents long back and even. Sure. You know, even in the time of Congress, uh, yes. these incidents were happening. Okay, let, let me let, let me bring in, uh, you know, uh, uh, Kalal, who is the diplomatic correspondent at the Hindu newspaper. Uh, uh, Kalal, uh, th- thank you very much for joining us on Friday Night Live. I'm, I, I, ho- I hope I'm saying your name, uh, pronouncing your name correctly. If I'm not, please correct me uh, so my pronunciation is accurate. But, I mean, the reports that we're seeing coming out from New Delhi, I mean, it doesn't speak, uh, you know, very positively at all with regards to India and, and, and India's current history with regards to dealing with his ethnic minorities. What, what, what's going on, uh, Kalol? Hello? Right. It, it looks like we don't have Kalol actually on the on the line. Uh, so let's come back to you, uh, brother Elias, uh, and let's continue with our conversations. Right. So, I'm. I'm okay. So, so we're, 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 I think the fact that it's not an isolated incident 
is very clear, uh, right? Uh, and the fact that the BJP, you know, have won this unprecedented, you know, you know, unprecedented elections, got a new term, uh, almost got a, you know, a, an open license to continue with this, you know, mobbery in in uh, in 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 the Indian politics, and and the Muslims seem to be the victims again and again and again over the last couple of uh, uh, years under the BJP. What what, what, what kind of a light of hope is there for for the Muslims in in India, um, uh, brother uh, Ibn Ilyas? I think it, 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 uh, I think it's not uh, just the case of BJP, uh, you know, um, carrying on these atrocities uh, against Muslims or minorities in India. Mm. You know, e even when Congress BJP came to power first time in 1999 under Abdul Bihari Wajpayee, right. before that it was ruled by Congress from 1950s right. till uh, 19, late 1990s. It was the Congress, and if you look at uh, the history of uh, how the institutionalized. Uh, discrimination happens against Muslim is, uh, is is rampant and in in 2013 there was a report by such a commission as well for the upliftment of minorities mm. so it's not uh, BJP is yes BJP is an open enemy for Muslims mm. it's an uh, it's an open day when they are in power but when they are not in power even the Congress does the same thing but under the garb of you know um, um, under the garb of secularism, they do everything. Right. So, so the problem is not with the BJP or the Congress or the local Ahmadmi Party. Mm. The problem is the system in which the Muslims, uh, the citizens who have been living uh, in, the, in, in in India for centuries, hmm. have been uh, uh, have been tagged as uh, minorities. Right. So let, 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 let me let me come back to that point shortly. But I mean, surely the Congress, right? I, I mean, uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've been covering a number of stories from India. Uh, we've had a number of representatives of the Congress Party, uh, you know, speaking to us, and they have outrightly. Uh, you know, criticize and been very critical of the BJP, uh, the the laws that the BJP have introduced, especially the the Citizenship Amendment Act, right? Uh, saying that is not in the spirit of the uh, the Constitution. It is not in the spirit of the secular, you know, uh, you know, kind of Constitution that India, you know, upholds and and implements. And they've been very critical, right? So you're saying, hang on, the Congress and the BJP are almost the the same, uh, you know, the, the the two different sides of the same coin. Yes, very much. They are very much. They are the two different sides of the same coin. The, the same Congress, right in from 1950s, they have been uh, they have been trying to push this agenda of CAA and NRC, uh, NRC, not CAA but NRC. Mm. They wanted to have this national register of citizens, but it didn't happen. It didn't capitalize. And then later on, in 2003, also they they put this uh, thing uh, in motion in Parliament, and even they have drafted how this motion, uh, how this um, um, citizenship register should be done. And how it has to be, what document should be evaluated, and who will administer this? So I'll just give you a. Uh, that was in 2003. No, no. So even uh, Ilyas, so, so are you saying Congress or non-Congress, BJP? Congress. Congress. I, 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 I hear you. Two sides of the same coin. You're telling me. Uh, yeah. Are you telling me that it's not a case of lesser of the two evils, or are you telling me both? They're both evil. Look, they have different style and means. Hmm. Simple as that. They have different style and means. One is very blatant; the other does not get noticed. But they do. Look, in, in whose in who was in the, who was in the, who was ruling India when the Babri Masjid demolition happened? Who was ruling India when in 1984 when the Sikh riot took place in India? Right. So, so, so BJP was nowhere close to power at that time. Right. So in 1992, BJP under the under the under the under the command of Congress, who was ruling in Central and BJP was ruling the state, they said that we could we, we, and when they were. 
uh, information is coming in that the rapid action force have to be deployed, the military has to be deployed. They ignored. They just relied on the state government giving them assurance that, that we, will, we will manage the situation under okay. Kalyan thing. Okay. We will handle it. They All didn't right. do it. So, so I, I think I, I think I've managed to get through to, uh, or the team have managed to get through to Kalol, uh, who is the diplomatic correspondent at the Hindu newspaper. Uh, Kalol, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Yeah. Ah, fantastic. Yeah. And, and first, first, am I saying your name correct? Yeah, you got my name correct. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so th 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 thank you very much for joining us on Friday Night Live. Uh, I don't know how, how much of the conversation you've been able to pick up, right, over the last couple of minutes, but we're trying to unravel and try and understand what on earth is happening in, in Delhi. And, and it's no isolated incident, is it? Well, I mean, it's a continuation of a particular process which began with a set of uh, legislative measures that were taken by the uh, Indian, Indian government and the first of course was uh, the removal of the special status of Kashmir which is followed by the, the Citizenship Amendment Act 2019 which is a really a landmark measure in the history of the country because it more or less it redefines um, some of the fundamental you know, aspects of Indian citizenship uh, without really touching the main uh, citizenship law itself because it indicates the priority of mm. the priority religions for the Indian state, which of course you know, in, does not include Islam. So it's kind of uh, it's one of the other, it's not just the, the, the violence is of course one outburst which has have taken place in the capital city of India and therefore the, the attention of the world perhaps has I, I mean, Kalol, it's not the fact. It's not a fa the fact that there's an unsavory legislation that's been, uh, you know, implemented or you know, being proposed, right? And and people are are just dissatisfied with the legislation, right? Uh, you know, in any of the democracies around the world, you know, people have got the right to disagree with legislation and protest against the legislation, right? But what we've seen over the last couple of days, 37 people being killed, mosques being attacked, you know, the the Hindu flag being, you know, flown on top of mosques and innocent individuals being killed and this is not an isolated incident this is completely unjustifiable i mean this is you know what people are writing about is hindu fascism you know and and, and bjp you know being out of control in, in india right so it's not a it's not an isolated incident it's not just some unsavory legislation it's not a difference of opinion over legislation it seems like you know it's it's rampant racism or fascism against a, a, a muslim minority well, you know, what you call the Muslim minority is essentially 200 million people. Yeah. So you have to look, you have to look at it in the Indian context. That yeah. The Indian state has its own, um, you know, uh, realities to deal with. So, you know, from outside it may look like as if, you know, it's a minority and majority issue, but it's far more complex because, you know, it's, a, it's an existential issue for the whole state of India because you don't really fight with a minority even if it is like as I said it's a minority but if it is a 200 million strong minority yeah. then it creates uh, you know fighting with it does not make the country or the state or the people uh, comfortable because it always uh, creates more problems you know um, and right. I also therefore don't always 
I also don't understand, you know, why people always refer to India and Nazi Germany. Nazi Germany, in comparison, was a very small country because you know, Germany in the 1930s didn't really have the kind of population that India has today. Mm. If we, if anything happens in India, it by magnitude it's going to be so bigger than so many times bigger than Nazi Germany. No, that's far more complex. Yeah, no, I understand that, Kalol. But what I don't understand is 1984, 3,000 Sikhs were killed in riots. Okay, in, in Delhi, right? What I don't understand is Gujarat. What I don't understand is what we're seeing in Kashmir. What we don't understand is, you know, car vigilantes, right? What we're seeing is we're seeing mobs on the street, and and here's a country which claims to be a democracy, you know, hosting Trump over the last couple of days, you know, trying to project to the to the world that is a, a democracy, it's a civilized nation, but then yeah, it's, it's allowing fascism to rife to be rife. It's allowing minorities to be you know, burned alive in the name of, of you know religion, Hinduism, right? Uh, and, and then people you know shouting Jay Shri Ram, and, and at the same time you know you know open, open you know ended you know license to to kill Muslims, right? It just doesn't make sense. You have to you have to get you have to get certain things clear because it is not in the name of Hinduism. I mean, uh, uh, the India's murder cry is Jay Shri Ram, right? That's what's been called out. No, 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 you are not getting that. It's in the name of Hindutva. There is a difference right. in the religion right. and, and the political philosophy based on religion. Right. So you have to yeah. get that distinction correct. Okay. Can I interject? Yes. Sure, please, go ahead. Yeah, I know, I know, I know what Mr. Kalal uh, is making the point is that it's different between Hindus and Hindutva. Yes, it's exactly the same difference between the Jews and the Zionists. Yes. So, and, 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 the people in, and, people, and people in the power, and people in the power, these BJP, RSS and the BJP yeah. bad guys, they, they have the same mentality. Mm -hmm. They are in close collaboration with the Zionists. And if you look at the, if you look at the plans that have been executed in India, they exactly match the Zionist blueprints that what they do in Palestine. Mm. So, so, you know, uh, you know, abandon abandoning people and look at Kashmir they have been you know cut off from the whole world cut off the internet has been closed for almost six months you know it's like you know you want the people to you know surrender uh, and accept like what they have done in Gujarat no I mean look at look look at the atrocities that have happening uh, right now 18 years back in, in 2002 when there was no social media no reports are coming out we don't even know what had happened in the last three, in, in three four days of violence even when even when somebody from the system who came out? They, they, the inspector. There was a, there was a DSP who was, who came out and he said, you know, this was under the, under the, under the watchful eye of Mr. Modi. And then till today he's in jail. He's going through the court cases. His bail hearings have been consistently not allowed to hear. So this well, is this the man. Okay. Okay. So, 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 so let, let me let me put a question to Kalol. Uh, Kalol, let me put a question to you, right? I've just I've got a a listener who's sent in a message uh, saying Modi and Trump uh, are both you know the the world's two biggest uh, you know, and then I won't say the, the the words that follow. But obviously it's not a very pleasantry uh, word, right? Now my point is here's in. India, right? You know, you're, you're, you're pitching yourself to the world as incredible India in terms of tourism. I mean, should India be rebranded to almost shameful India for what we're seeing in terms of how it deals with its minorities, uh, Kalol? Well, India is, is never a perfect country. India has its own flaws. Mm. Well, but what is happening particularly right now is highly, highly uncomfortable for all of us. And we don't want India to, you know, be known for this sort of features. Mm. Uh, the riot, I would say, it's not a riot because it is a structural violence. Yeah, program. A particular 
well, you know, it's, it's, a, it's not even a program. It's a structural, structural violence, which is yeah. far more. What's the definition I looked upon? Okay. Therefore, therefore, highly, highly problematic because you know we are looking at a minority community, which is in a disadvantageous position and are therefore vulnerable. And so we have, you know, I don't really call it the usual terms that are being used in the media these days. Um, but I would say that this is something that we don't want our country to be known by these terms that are being, you know, because of the violence that is going on, yeah. especially in Delhi, which is the capital. I mean, it's, I mean, whatever has happened before in 1984, we always thought this will not happen in Delhi again, but it's again mm. happening. Mm. So something is seriously wrong among us, and we have to really introspect and do something. Right. That a sense of urgency, I'm not sure, you know, if it is shared by everybody but there is a thing okay all right so i've just got a couple of minutes left and i've got a question for uh ibn ilyas right and, and that is al jazeera's elizabeth uh prunam uh, reported from new delhi and she said people are asking why did it take four days to subside for the violence to subside right delhi has a police force of eighty-four thousand, yet this violence was allowed to continue over four days i mean what, what is the future right violence has subsided Decided for for a temporary moment in time at this stage, but the 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 almost the fascist fabric is a constant threat against you know the Muslims of India. What what is the what is the the the, the, the what is the feeling? What are the thoughts, the sentiments that you're getting from from these from the Muslim community from India, uh, Ibn Ilyas? I think uh, I've been I've been in touch with people on the ground, and there's a mass exodus of people in the affected areas, and you know, and then they are leaving the places, and they are just moving out of the areas for their own safety and whatever is left with them. So they didn't take uh, any, they didn't need any assurance for from the government either the state or the central to stay back. But they are they are, they have, I mean they have uh, you know completely they don't have any trust on the institutions either protecting them. I'll just give you an example. The, 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 there was a there was a high court judge who passed an order against the people yes. who instigated this violence, and he was transferred straight away. The, yes. He was transferred at the mid midnight. So this is this is unacceptable. The people have lost confidence in the system. You know, the, 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 they have they have lost confidence in the institutions which are there to protect the people of the citizens of its own country. And mm. I think and I think that this is a big time. There's a big failure that has happened. It is not just one party coming and going. It's the mm. it's the flaw in the system which is not able to protect its own citizens, basically. Right. That's and, the and, fundamental questions we need to ask. Right. And and Kalol, I mean, what's the de what's the debate and what's the discussion within the academic and and uh, you know the 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 mainstream media? I mean, a lot of it, of course, unfortunately, is controlled by the government and is going to carry that particular narrative, right? But is there a, is there a conscious voice there which has been critical of of the the BJP? government, uh, the, the institutions as uh, Ibn um, uh, Ilyas is just calling out because uh, the judge case w was, a, was, a, was a notorious case. He, he was critical and then of course he was transferred. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact what Ilyas said is correct because the, the judge was transferred overnight in a highly controversial manner and the, the loss of confidence in the law and the law enforcement agencies is absolutely visible for all of us because if a Muslim family or any any family from a minority community, if it's forced to abandon its its house in 21st century in 2020, then there's therefore you know it's not really something that India aspires to be. So the situation on the ground is pretty much summed up by what I just heard from my co-panelists, and therefore I don't think you know this is the uh, 
this is just you know an one-off incident, and it's got a long gestation behind it. It's been happening over the last several months with a long history, as you also know, going back to 2002 and 1984, and India's own deep-rooted biases and you know bigotry. And I'm sure that you know, as you said, that if there are free voices in the media, the reason that we keep talking about our past and our, our, our own mistakes and shortcomings is because there are free voices in the media. And that's what it means. The reason that we are talking is also because we still have the free voice in India. Okay. Uh, okay. On, on that note, unfortunately, yeah. we, we have uh, run out of time. I want to thank you, Kalal, uh, who, uh, the diplomatic correspondent at the Hindu newspaper, for joining us this evening all the way from India. Thank you very much. I know it's a late hour of the night for, for you. Thank you again. Thank and also, Brother Ibn Ilyas, political analyst originally from India. Thank you very much for joining us uh, from the UK to give us uh, to share your thoughts on, on, on uh, the Indian politics. Thank you very much, both of you, gents. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Good night, Bye-bye. Mr. Bye-bye. Okay, uh, listeners, that was uh, okay. The the Indian violence on uh, in in New Delhi on on the Muslims of India. Uh, so th- you know that we were shedding light on what's been happening in New Delhi. When I come back from the commercial break, maybe we'll just pick that up for a, for a couple of minutes. Absolutely shocking in terms of the social media messages, the vi- the, the the videos that are coming out, the pictures that are coming out, uh, our our supplications that are go out to the oppressed, go out to the those who are weak, vulnerable and victims of such a shameful atrocities in India we need to raise the the, the, the world's attention we need to make uh, their voices heard and we need to be a, a voice for those innocent individuals in New Delhi we're going to go into a commercial break when we come back it's going to be some local news that we're going to be covering uh, so don't go away inshallah we'll be covering the, we will be covering some local stories over the next half an hour 45 minutes until then assalamualaikum Assalamu alaikum, this is Atif Nawaz and you're listening to an Inspire FM podcast. Alright, assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Uh, welcome back to Friday Night Live. This is a live show. I think just we've just had a small technical hitch there. Uh, anyway, welcome back. Uh, live on Inspire FM, 105.1 FM, 01582 I am your host, Harfi Shaban. Uh, this evening, okay, we're in uh, the second hour of the show. Uh, so we've already had the, the first hour of the show, alhamdulillah. So we were covering in the first hour of the show. If those of you that have just tuned in, we were discussing earlier Saudi temporary ban on Umrah visit due to the coronavirus uh, so we were getting an update from a local a number of travel agents and some potential individuals who are traveling to perform Umrah over the next couple of days seems like a bit of a, a chaotic uh, confusion situation there hopefully uh, we added some clarity from uh, the brothers representing Medina travels dome travels earlier in, in, in terms of what an individual should do if you are booked in to go to do Umrah over the next couple of days. Right, and then we were discussing uh, last half an hour uh, violence, uh, the violence in New Delhi over the last couple of days, right? So there's been some, you know, extraordinary uh, and, and really, really distraught, you know, violence in New Delhi uh, against Muslims in, uh, in in India over the last couple of days. And we've just been discussing the backgrounds on or backgrounds to that and what's been driving uh, that those particular incidents in uh, New Delhi over the last couple of days. So this, over to now the next hour, 
local stories that we're going to be covering. We're going to be speaking to, hopefully, uh, Luton Council, uh, Councillor Andy Malcolm. And we're going to be discussing a Luton budget, uh, the Luton local council budget and the tax rise, the tax rise, the council tax rise. And I really need to hear your opinions because we're seeing a lot of this. We're seeing year on year a rise in the council tax bills, right? So I'm sure you, just like myself, are not very happy with this annual increment that we've been forced to pay uh, but yet are we getting a uh, value for, for for our money are we getting value for our money when it comes to the services that we're receiving that's the question that i'm going to be raising to my listeners 01582481822 is the number here in the studio 0779481822 for your social media messages now let me just give you some background to this before we speak to a uh, councillor andy malcolm a uh, high-risk budget with 4% council tax rise was approved by the Luton Borough Council in a bid to apparently offset years of austerity, right? Uh, okay, so it was approved by Luton Borough Council, uh, I believe it was last week. I believe it was last week, right? Uh, despite opposition from Liberal Dem, uh, from Lib Dems, uh, this was debated on the radio show last week. Council tax will increase by 4%, as I said, for 85% of Luton residents the new budget means an increase of 88 pence per week according to the council it makes 2200 people needy people the poorest people pay 900 pounds more a year in council tax that's absolutely incredible absolutely incredible right i i, I think we're having some technical problems today so i've got no idea if i've got councillor Andy Malcolm on the line or not? Councillor Andy Malcolm, are you on the line? Yes. Ah, oh, fantastic. All right. So we've got technical problems, but you are on the line, which is great. I'm right. Here. Thank you very much for joining us this evening on Friday Night Live. We've got uh, only about ten minutes to speak, but this is quite incredible headlines that I'm seeing in the in the press, and I know a lot of my listeners, right, are not going to be too happy with these headlines. I mean, what's driving this uh, almost incredible high risk budget? Doesn't sound very good at all. Four percent council tax rise. I mean, that's incredible in terms of the the uh, yet another rise, but. A Four percent. I mean, it doesn't go anywhere near what we're seeing in terms of real salary increases, if any at all. Uh, well, what's driving this, uh, councillor? Um, in in a word, austerity. I think it's important to pull apart a little bit of what you're saying there, because um, that what you're reading out is essentially the Lib Dems framing of the budget, which actually conflates some things quite unhelpfully. Right, this was so, the, the press headlines uh, that, that, that I'm reading yeah, out. Yeah, I know. So the, the press headline was largely the Lib Dems uh, opposition mm, okay. to the budget, which they shared with the press. Um, the, the 4% is a different thing to the, I think you quoted a figure of £900. Yep. Yeah, so that that is part of the council tax reduction scheme and we have consulted on over the last six months or so some changes to our council tax reduction scheme and actually the Lib Dems were on side at all of the meetings that I'd been to until the council budget meeting when they suddenly decided they were against it which isn't um, great practice in my mind in terms of 
saying that you're okay with something, you support the principles, and then you change your mind and turn but, around. Just but, 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 but Councillor, Councillor Andy, uh, can you just clarify that? I mean, that, that, that sounds a, a, a bit absurd. Council tax reduction system, which in, in effect means £900 more that has to be paid by over 2,000 most vulnerable people. It doesn't make sense to so me. So these would be people who were covered by... So the council tax reduction scheme um, is for people who are poorer, but there's a spectrum there. So the people who were receiving it that will no longer be receiving it, that I believe the £900 will be referring to, will have £100 extra a week on top of all of their basic costs. So they are being asked to pay their full council tax um, in the band from 80 to 100 pounds of excess income a week mm. um, but all of the changes that we're making to the council tax reduction scheme and we believe that we are the only council in the country doing this we're we're not out of line with other councils in terms of the amount of money we're asking people to um, support and the amount of support we're providing with our council tax reduction scheme but what we're doing with broadly all of that money that is going to be raised in additional council tax is providing support so that people who are in poorly paid work can get into secure, well-paid employment, which ties up really neatly with all of the stuff that we're doing with the uh, Luton Investment Framework, drawing billions of pounds of investment right. into our local economy, creating jobs that are secure, that are well-paid. Right. And that we're taking... What is, I suppose, the strategic mm. approach, trying to sort out Luton's problems with poverty and low pay in the longer term. Right. And we think this is going to work. And we've also... Right. Uh, I mean, it's interesting choice of... It's, it's interesting choice of words, you, Councillor You say you think that it's going to work, right? It sounds very optimistic, sounds good in theory, but I mean, okay, you, you might say it's the Lib, Lib Dems, but the business rate increases, right, that you're proposing. Uh, again, the, the, the businesses are precisely lobbying against that. The savings that were promised last year not being delivered. A lot of, you know, allegations being made by the Lib Dems to say, you know, you, you, you haven't delivered on promises that you made previously what is there to confirm right and support the fact that any of this is going to happen this t this time around well we have made savings that we had in the budget last year not all of them but not all of them were anticipated to be made in the first year so there were savings that we thought we would make over a number of years which is why we had contingency in the budget set against them last year and we continue to have contingency set against them in the budget this year mm. they're, they're savings that we know we want to make and we need to make because they're about improving our services so that we don't incur costs at a later date. For mm. example, a really good example is uh, some edge of care work. So young people who might otherwise end up in care, mm. supporting them earlier so that they don't end up in care, which is very costly for the council. Does that make sense? So yeah, like, no, no, it, 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 it does make sense. Like but what, what, what I don't understand, what I don't understand is the fact that, uh, you know, you know, the, the people, uh, you know, the good old people of, of Luton already paying plenty of taxes, uh, yet being asked to pay more taxes. Uh, yeah. and, and, and then especially so what, what that, concerns yeah. me is the vulnerable who are unable to pay. I have been now demand, I, I, we're demanding that they pay even more. I mean, where are those poor people going to be, be able to, you know, fetch, you know, an, an additional 900 pounds to pay for a council tax right etc etc uh, that's what concerns so me and alarms me there. Mm. yeah there's two points there there's the council tax reduction scheme and we do have 
capital tax reduction scheme. We're just asking those who have a, more excess income than some others right. to pay more of their council tax. Yeah. We're reducing so, the reduction that we previously gave them. Um, so people who are in the first two bands, so have between naught and five pounds of excess income and five and fifteen pounds of excess yeah. income, mm. actually people in that second band are going to be better off under this new scheme because right. we've reduced the amount that they have to pay slightly. So actually, we we are doing all of this mm. with a mind to support those who are really at the very worst end of poverty. Yeah, asking a bit more of those who are slightly better off, like a hundred pounds of excess income a week after you've paid all of your costs is not an insignificant amount of money yeah yeah mm. and so so i honestly believe that we have structured this new council tax reduction scheme in a way that is going to enable us to support people out of poverty right. in the long term so, into so, better trade employment right. let's cover the other point first yeah very quickly um so on council tax we have gone from in 2010 110 million pounds of grant support from central government to 10.7 million pounds of support from council from central government in 2020 mm. so that's a 100 million pound reduction of money that we used to get every year from central government to provide local services to deliver local services yeah. and all of central government's assumptions about how much we money we have to spend on local services assume that we will take the two and two percent, the four percent increase yeah. in council tax locally. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, you, do you see the scale? I, I see where you, I see, I see where you're coming from yep. on an annual basis to deliver services. Yeah, and the and the and central government say, oh, and you can raise council tax by four percent. It's not right. a choice. All of our assumptions are based on us raising council tax by four percent. I can give you a list of no, many no, of the uh, we, we, we've, we've got a question, Councillor like, Andy. Let, no, no. Let, let's go on to some specifics. We've got a question yeah. from our listener, Fiaz, who says, what I don't understand is how will increasing council tax create more jobs, right? So I, I think you were alluding to earlier creating more jobs, but I guess you were referring to the, the wider investment scheme that's yeah. going around Luton as opposed to increasing the council tax being proportional yeah, to creating more jobs. I guess that's what you would say. But unfortunately, yeah. Councillor Andy, we've run out of time because I've got Councillor no. Mahmoud Hussein here in the studio okay. and I need to come on to uh, his portfolio very soon but thank you very much for joining us this evening and trying to shed right, some light on this particular issue thank you very much thanks thanks bye, -bye. bye. Right, listeners, that was uh, that was uh, Councillor Andy Malcolm uh, responding to the opposition David Franks of the Lib Dems after David Franks was on the show last week, uh, you know, and presenting their view on the uh, Luton Borough Council budget, right? So that is that issue, uh, and that's with regards to the budget and the council tax rise, four percent tax rise, and like I said earlier. Uh, it's all good me, you know, raising my opinions on the show. It's all me good raising my questions to the councillor. But you, the listeners, are the ones that unfortunately have to pay the council tax bill. Of course, I have to pay mine and you have to pay yours, right? So I want to hear your thoughts. Are, are, you know, are you happy with paying 4%? Because I'm not getting a lot of messages from you saying that you're not happy. And you, we need to direct our messages and we need to direct our thoughts and our opinions to the council so that they hear what the Lutonians think with regards to some of these propositions, right? Uh, so get your thoughts across to me, 0158248822 here in the studio. Studio zero triple seven nine four eight one eight double two for your SMS WhatsApp messages, brother Fiaz. Jazakallah here for your uh, number of messages that you've been sending uh, this evening. 
and I am trying to incorporate your messages into the show. So keep them coming. Right, so uh, as we are discussing uh, council and we are on this subject matter, let's go on to the next story, which is also related to the council, right? So this is not obviously very good headlines at all. Uh, we have, of course, got Councillor Mahmoud Hussein, which I, who I'll introduce to uh, the the show shortly. He's the portfolio holder for children's services, right? Uh, I guess he's going to be pointing his finger in a similar direction to where Councillor Andy was going earlier. But another headlines this uh, this week on, in in the local press was Luton's children's services rated inadequate, right? So your uh, Mike Three uh, Councillor uh, Mahmoud Hussein Saab, Salam alaikum, welcome to uh, Inspire FM. Uh, welcome to Friday Night Live. No no stranger at all uh, to this setup. Right. I mean, this this caught my attention. You know, uh, this caught my attention. I read the story. It doesn't make positive headlines at all. I'm sure you 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 agree. Uh, Luton Borough Council has truly said it's sorry after children's services were rated inadequate in a damning Ofsted report. Right. I mean, this doesn't read positive at all. Uh, it's been very uh, strongly, you know, in terms of. Uh, calling out poor decision-making, delay and a failure to take decisive, authoritative action when risks increase means that some children are left in unassessed or in harmful situations for too long. Some services for children have declined since the last inspection. Widespread serious weaknesses means that too many children in need of protection etc 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 i mean what, what's your reaction to this councillor first of all so. thank you for inviting me and the very first thing i would say that you know on behalf of the council and myself i'm sorry that we failed to to uh, provide services to our children and families who are vulnerable for that i would you know again would say that there are there are i am not making any excuses i'm making the full responsibility yeah. and we're going to put it right right can, can, can i be a bit bit rude right I yes, say, of course. that that's not good enough right it's not good enough to just say we're, we're sorry because the council has a as a responsibility it has it, you know as we were discussing council tax look i'm, I'm getting messages from my listeners uh nilu for omar who's saying i'm not only annoyed about it going up but also annoyed because i believe i'm in the wrong council band <laughs> okay fair enough right something that you need to pick up with the council right so people are you know paying all of these taxes we're told it's austerity we're told it's to actually go back into the services that are being provided and then we're we're seeing these headlines that you're actually failing the people yeah can, can, can i just say no, i'm no. not sitting here making any excuses i haven't you know yes there was an austerity yes there is a austerity continue to but i I think one needs to understand that in in terms of these particular services there's a shortage of so social workers nationally as well as locally and we have tried our best but have and you we called have that out as a risk Hmm? Have you called that as, as a risk? I yeah, mean, because that is one of the reasons why you are not able, if you have got the caseload of a uh, number of cases mm. then and a shortage of social workers, you are not able to do the assessment of those children as quickly as we, you should. And we mm. have put extra resources immediately once the inspector had, had, had elected. Because this is a demand-led service. In the last, while the inspectors were here, 
year, yeah. 22 families had come into children in, in need or children in care. Mm. So you have to, when a child comes to, to your door, you have yeah. to do immediate assessment yeah. and you have to protect that child. Yes. And it's, the safeguarding of that child is a statutory duty of this council. Yeah. No, so I, we I, are, I, I am I saying get, yeah. it has taken too long, yeah. but there was not at, at one time the the inspectors have said in the report yeah. that any child was at risk. Yeah. It, it, they, what they are saying is that you have not done a quick uh, uh, turnaround into your assessment and this is if you are, you know, three quarter of our services are positive and the people that work in that department work, you know, very hard despite yeah. all that and they were very disappointed indeed. Yeah. We've got a very committed workforce but yeah. we have failed to recruit uh, enough but, but, but permanent this, social workers. But, but this councillor Mahmoud Sa, right? So mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, you know, I work in the professional industry. You know, you know, uh, we we have problems or, and, and challenges and demands of specialist resources, right? Mm -hmm. In IT, in technology, in in business, in mm -hmm. investment banking, etc. You deal with that. You, you do pre-planning. You, you you know, you you ensure that you know. The, the, here's my demand and here's my supply and this is where my my shortcomings are, my my deficiencies or my shortfalls are. And then you plan for that and you execute that so that you don't fail right in this case it means that okay you've got the the, 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 the you know a, a deficiency in 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 specialist resources and you haven't been able to address that yeah we have been continuously for a number of years yeah. have been doing recruitment and retention we have a permanent retention campaign. seems to be a problem yes. doesn't Ret it retention is one of the things that local yeah. authorities suffer because the the nature of the work uh, it's a you know it's a very dedicated uh, type of work and it is a really hard work mm. I, I i personally would think you know the many people that we encourage people to go into social work mm. and the government at long last to recognize the value of social work just as they uh, you know uh, recognize the need for the health workers right. they have not really recognized that the similar job is doing a social so, so worker. How, how big of, of a problem is recruitment and retention in, in terms of as, of social work as a problem then how, how big of a problem is that it's, because it's, you're right I haven't really heard of that as a problem yeah as we do for example in the NHS or we're here within the teaching industry and, and some of the other industries I think when, when you know, nationally, with, mm. we, we have been saying not only, not what single, the, even those local authorities which are outstanding, they are finding it very difficult to recruit uh, and retain social workers. But, but, then, so, but then we've so got... So this is, this a, is a, a national... Okay, I, 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 hear, I hear that. What about the long-term planning, right? Which long -term is, we've got so, so much unemployment within Luton. So if there's a shortage in this particular area, I mean, look, common sense, let's put some incentives together let's put some training some apprenticeships let's let's recruit let's 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 train and develop our own talent around that particular area look yeah we, 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 we have we, we, we don't have a major problem trying to newly qualified social workers mm. it is trying to 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 get an experienced social worker which right. is the biggest problem because a lot of them do move on and a lot of them do change their jobs right. so that is one of the things because of the the uh, 
the the challenges the job itself has got right. and the difficulty that you know is 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 in trying to get the experienced people yeah. we are doing all the initiative we have started doing that for a number of years we're right. going to do more of those okay. and we have already managed to get the agency workers yeah. to go to permanent in the last few weeks we managed to have, have four or five people whom we are okay. uh, encouraged to, to come permanently okay. all right okay so so here's my next concern right so uh, according to Ofsted since its last inspection right services for children declined further right what what are you going to show our listeners right and the good people of Luton and the surrounding areas that you you've got the measures or you've got the planning or you're taking the steps that are necessary to ensure that you address this problem you you've apologized we understand we we understand the constraints we understand the challenges what is it you know what is the assurance what is the guarantee that you're going to give to the listeners to to, to our community to say the council is now taking the practical steps we, to address we've this. done an, an our safeguarding hub right. which is the one that the inspectors were critical mm. we've immediately put extra seven social workers right. we're going to have more senior leaders appointed to that service mm. we're making changes of the senior leadership as well we're recruiting number of senior posts so i hope that the, what you just said that mm. it will encourage more people in luton mm. to take social work uh, as a profession mm. because we want more social workers particularly from the 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 ethnic minority right. community so. because this is something this is, this is that free, we need to this is free advertising this is free advertising here well, please yeah, you know we, we, we definitely them. we definitely want that because right. we want to see more representative we want to see more senior leaders yeah. from the ethnic minority right. because unless they stay in the profession get an experience mm. they could be the future uh director of children services mm. i would like to see that more of that mm. in not only in luton but up and down the country all right so so that that's a, a positive note there in terms of recruitment retention of social workers okay that seems to be a key area obviously a key key opening in terms of for the ethnic minorities to to get into that area of work so uh, a positive note there that we're, we're sending out to our listeners that you know if you if you're interested then speak to and get in touch with the local council right uh, all right and when's the next uh, Ofsted inspection well, what's what's the kind of action plan and then time frame that Ofsted have given for the council to turn this around uh, is, is it similar to how the schools work is there another inspection coming up what's the, what's the next well, step for a start we, we we've been given an, an improvement advisor from the uh, DFE the department of uh, for education right. uh, and we're at meeting with them on Monday right. so we will have an action plan in April right. then they will do a, a six monthly visits but they might do the full full inspection is this in, the DFE or is this the offset this, this would be the offset but right. the DFE and offset mm. we're working very closely with them right. because when when you when you know when your services and that because you sure. obviously do yeah. right and within a year or 18 months or two years they will do a full inspection mm. and we're hoping to be good mm. uh, um, in, in in that period i hope you don't just i hope you're just not hoping but you're going to target that you're definitely going to be good hopefully well 100 i'm committed to it i'm not running 
running away from it. Fantastic. You know, 100% commitment on my part right. and everyone that is in that service. And it is the Lutenborough Council as a whole responsibility because we're all corporate parent to those looked after children. Right. Councillor Mahmoud Hussain, thank you very much. Portfolio holder for children's services. Okay, we started off, uh, started off on a negative note, uh, negative headlines, but you're, you're reassuring our listeners that it's going to be positive going forward. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you very much for explaining uh, yourself and, and your portfolio. Okay, listeners, that was uh, Councillor Mahmoud Hussain Saab, portfolio holder for children's services, and we were discussing social care and social workers. Uh, we're going to go into a commercial break. Last half an hour of the show, when we come back, we're discussing Rishte networking event. I've got no idea what that's about. Come back in a couple of minutes and we'll find out what it's about. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu and welcome to Friday Night Live. Uh, this evening, Friday the 28th of February, is now just gone past 7.30 p.m. Uh, broadcasting uh, live on Inspire FM on a 5.1 FM and of course broadcasting live on the Facebook uh, Live uh, and just via some of our sister stations nationally. 01582481822 is the number here in the studio. 07779 481822 for your social media messages inshallah all right it's been a, an interesting evening a number of stories we've been covering here it was interesting last half an hour discussing with the Luton council uh, on uh, the council tax rises in addition to Luton children's services rated inadequate councillor Mahmoud Hussein live on inspire them Friday night live promising promising to turn that story around over the next six months months right so we're going to probably interview him in about six months time and i'm really hoping that he's going to change that state of affairs around because we cannot have our children's services being rated inadequate and not being fit for purposes fit for purpose uh, as has been uh, cited by a damning ofsted report right and then before that we were discussing with councillor andy malcolm who had who was very strong in rebuttaling uh, the data uh, rebutting uh, David Frank's uh, op- opposition in terms of the uh, council uh, being forced to issue what they termed a high-risk budget 4% council tax rise and a number of other initiatives which he was not really uh, singing uh, in tune with uh, David Franks's uh, comments earlier. Anyway, so we're going to be moving on to an- another story. We're going to be discussing a-, a subject matter which is completely different. Uh, I don't have much information on it unfortunately but I'm hoping uh, Sister Rihanna Faisal is going to be shedding a lot of light on, on this for the next 5 to 10 minutes uh, a Rishta networking event right is apparently going to be happening shortly I've got no idea what, what it's about apart from the fact that it's a Rishta networking so let's speak to Sister Rihanna Faisal Asalaamu Alaikum Sister Rihanna Wa Alaikum Salaam Jazakallah for joining us yeah Alhamdulillah how are you not too bad. Not uh, you know, earlier when they told me that we're going to be speaking to Sister Rihanna about Rishta networking, I thought, <laughs> what, what, what is Rihanna, Sister Rihanna up to, man? Are, are you now in uh, Rishta networking also, are you? 
you know, I'm I'm, I'm wherever people are. <laughs> mashallah, mashallah, wow, man. Think, you know, um, so yeah, alhamdulillah, it's um, it's a new and exciting event, um, sort of venture, very different as you um, can imagine, kind of thing for me to be involved in and to talk yeah. about. But I think many of us um, know either personally or through families and friends oh. that people are finding it increasingly difficult to find good matches for their children hmm. um, and so this uh, group who I'm going to be supporting have put together this idea about introducing families oh. um, and you know and finding suitable matches for their young people right okay and then this is this is a more kind of a local a Luton setup or is it something which is kind of a, a national domain they're very much kind of a local thing. So there are lots and lots of things, as you know, that mm. you know, we all hear about, um, you know, kind of networking and, you know, um, apps and all sorts of things yeah. to introduce um, young people, young Muslims um, to each other. Mm. And this, I suppose, is a, another and slightly different way of, of doing things. And it might not be, you know, something that's suitable for everybody yeah. and it might not resonate with everybody, but I think it's, um, another kind of piece to the the jigsaw, um, mm. and it will, I think, certainly make some families feel more comfortable, um, you know, in this kind of slightly new area for us. Mm. Right. I mean, and generally, traditionally, when I when I talk when I think of rishtas and and networking, I mean, our family structures and and our community structures are not immune or, or are not exactly, you know, are, are very much in sync with, you know, networking, knowing, getting, getting to know one another, getting to know the families, getting to know your, your, your neighborhoods, etc. So I would have thought almost this is organic, right? And this is just natural for, for this, this, this to be happening in, in amongst our communities in our, in, in our areas. Is, is this, is, you seem to be suggesting that there's a problem here uh, and hence the, there is a, a targeted service that is needed to address this uh, kind of a, a gap in, in the market almost. Yeah, I mean, I think what you've said there is really useful in terms of how this event is going to happen. So this is just kind of supporting that mm. organic meeting so as far as um the event is concerned it mm. will involve the female family members okay. of young people who are looking to get married so they won't be there themselves it will be family representatives just sitting down talking having you know cups of tea and and chats with people so it's a way for kind of families who might not necessarily know each other right. um, or they might even know each other but not realize that they're looking for, you know, a match for young people in their family. So it's really supporting that kind of organic thing that we usually do, mm. but just um, in a more kind of structured way, you know, in order yeah. with that kind of intention of coming in and um, finding partners for our children. Right. Okay. So, so I want you to tell us a bit more about the event in, in a minute, right? But you know, just the last comment that you were making, a, a thought occurred to me, right? Uh, which is, do, do do you think? I mean, you know, especially the traditional kind of backgrounds of our families that we come from, right? And yeah. this particular subject matter, do, do you think it's a bit of a taboo or a bit of a, almost a bit of a shame element to associate with it when you're trying to go out, right? To a you know an event or use these kind of apparatus to try to look for for rishtas, whereas traditionally it would just happen naturally organically 
through interaction, through knowing other families, through being introduced, you know, privately to a, to a family or, or to a proposal, etc., etc. That now people have to resort to this. Do you think that that there's a bit of a taboo there in terms of going through these new kind of avenues, and and, and is that an obstacle? Do you think? I don't want to use the word taboo because I don't right. want it to be a taboo. It should yeah. be a very, you know, marriage is a very natural part of life. Yeah. Um, and it shouldn't be something that's taboo. But I think there's been a kind of a social and cultural shift. Yeah. Um, in terms of how things happen, perhaps. Um, yeah. But Shabon, when you and I were younger, mm. and how things might happen when it comes to our own children yeah. or you know young people now. Yeah. Um, there's a real shift in terms of you know, um, the way that this might happen, but also what expectations are yeah. um, of, of young people. You know, they're very different to how we were. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that as a bad thing, actually. Many mm. of them are more educated than we were. Mm. Um, and the times that we are living in are very different, yeah. you know. So, um, yeah, right. you know, we we're looking at different criteria. Um, and because of that, we're going to have to start thinking differently yeah. about how we go about doing this yeah. um, and you're, you're right in, in the sense that there is a cultural um, uncomfortableness yeah. not amongst all Muslims and not amongst all South Asians but for many of us there's a mm. cultural uncomfortableness about this and I think at the root of this idea in particular was how can we take some of that kind of discomfort mm. away yeah. how can we make it something really kind of natural and organic yeah. um, you know and really sort of easy light touch Mm. way of starting this uh, these introductions mm. all right that, that's enough of me dissecting you know what what what, what is this all about and t- tell us more about the event itself and uh, earlier you were just, you you were suggesting uh, it's, it's a kind of a sisters uh, an event as opposed yeah. to you know so, so, so to give us more information about the, the event uh, sister Rihanna. I mean, I think last time I, I had a chat with Brother Tarek earlier in the week, and I just said, we're just essentially saying to people, register, come along and have, have a cup of tea, sit down, speak with people. So who should um, register, for example? Parents? So for example, parents, sisters, mums, sisters, aunties. You know, whoever right. you feel you want to come out, you know, fighting for you and whoever mm. you feel mm. you want to come out uh, who knows you well in your right. family, okay. um, who knows what you want, send them along, mm. um, you know, come along, as I say, really comfortable environment okay. um, for that initial introduction. Okay, so NTGs, uh, parents, uh, mothers, sisters, elder sisters, etc., bodies, you know, aunties, you yeah. know, listening out there. Yeah. Okay, and you've got a family member, a family member, female family member that is looking, or even potentially a male family no, member no, who, who you, yeah. you who's looking potentially to, for for marriage. Uh, th- this not, is this is an event for it, you. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not going to work. Obviously, if we only get sort of family members yeah. of females, yeah, we want family members of males uh, and uh, females. Uh, uh, absolutely, absolutely, but we want female representatives, right, at this event. Yeah, absolutely, that, that's yeah. the idea. All right, so so I, I get that. When is it happening? It's happening. Let me just get the, all the details yeah. in front of me because um, I'm not as young as I used to be, and the memory is not as great as it used to be. But it is happening next weekend on the eighth of March. Um, it'll be um, at Crescent Hall on the Inspire FM webpage. I think that there will be a link to it. Right, so 8th um, of March, which is next Sunday. Sunday, right? Which is next Sunday. Next Sunday, what time? It will be from around 11 o'clock. 11 a.m., right, next Sunday. 
All right, so if you've got any family members, all right, looking to get married, uh, then you need to send along your, uh, your your female representatives. It can be anyone, any female representative to this event, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, reach that networking event happening next uh, eighth, uh, next Sunday, 8th of March, 11 a.m. at Crescent Hall, I believe you said, uh, Sister Rihanna, right? It is. Yeah, I'm just right. going to make a correction there. It's from midday. Midday. It's from right. midday, you can register online, book your face, come along. You know, if you've not done this before, I, I get that it's probably quite a daunting um, thing, but please don't worry. Um, it's going to be a very relaxed environment. Really, really relaxed Samosas environment. and pakoras with, with the chasha? Inshallah, inshallah. So, you know, if, you yeah. know, just come along, yeah. have a small so have a pakora and just, you know, and just chat. have a chat. And actually, exactly. I, think I said before that, that you know, this, this might not be, there's lots of things out there and this is um, another thing sort of thing that we're adding to the mix yeah. another way of doing these things yeah. and happy I know the team would be happy to take feedback about ways that this might be improved and you know mm. how you know how we can support people further mm. no no absolutely sister Rihanna even though I start off uh, with a bit of a joke saying mashallah you've got your fingers in so many different pies uh, and this is a world away from politics and current affairs and every, all the other good yeah. things that you do mashallah but it's also a, a very very important service and something very important that is needed in the community and there are a lot of other initiatives that are out there uh, but another another initiative inshallah providing some good service in the local community can't say anything uh, negative, not wrong about that, mashallah. Fantastic. Anything yeah. else that you want to say oh, before we, uh, well, we wrap yeah, that up? Ultimately, this is about, you know, <clears throat> um, it might, it sounds like it's a world away from the things I normally do, but ultimately, everything I do, um, inshallah, my intention is that I support our community wherever they're struggling. Mm. And I've, you know, agreed to support this because I, I genuinely see that yeah. we have families who are struggling with this issue. Yeah. Um, and this is what, one way of, of trying to support some of those families. Yeah, I absolutely, absolutely agree. Alhamdulillah, it's a very, very important note, and I, and I think it's a very important element of the of the fabric of our community, of our society, and that's of course marriage. Absolutely, yeah. uh, so absolutely, we should support that, inshallah ta'ala. And I definitely agree. I think the word that you, the words that you chose, you know, the uncomfortableness around, you know, you know, a new styles and means of actually doing something that we've been doing for, for you know, ever since Allah Subhanahu wa Taala created Adam al Islam is essential, uh, and. Then it's a new style and, and I think embrace it let's embrace it you know let's come together Let, let's bring some of our sisters aunties uh, your mothers together inshallah good social networking event inshallah even if you don't achieve anything uh, from the initial conversation you'll probably meet a lot of new people at least inshallah yeah alright fantastic thank you very much sister Rihanna for, for joining us this evening to, to shed light on this particular issue no problem. All right. Okay, that was uh, Sister uh, Rihanna Faisal, mashallah, getting herself involved with another uh, yet initiative uh, involving the community. Uh, an important initiative, mashallah. I do agree with the sister. Uh, I was having a bit of a, a joke in terms of Rishta networking event. Uh, but of course, is a, a very important aspect of our community, of our society, of our life, and that's getting married, right? Uh, so just to repeat that, uh, this is an event that's happening next Sunday, 
midday, uh, Crescent Hall, 8th of March. It's an event uh, for sisters, right, only. So it's not an event for, for, for brothers, unfortunately. It's an br- uh, event for sisters only. Uh, so you can send your sister, your, your your female representatives, whether it's your mother, whether it's your auntie, whether it's your elder sister, elder sister, or a, even a younger sister, to go on your behalf uh, and speak to other female representatives of other family members and really to exchange, have have those conversations, a uh, bit of introductions over a nice cup of tea and uh, samosas and pakoras that Sister Rihanna is promising, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, and just have those casual conversations and lo and behold you may be surprised that there may be a cross pollination of ideas and inshallah if there's a match there or a lead there then those conversations may lead to something material uh, inshallah all right sounds good jazakallah sister rihana for for that Right, we've got about 10 minutes remaining of the show, inshallah. So we've covered a number of stories this evening. Uh, and uh, Jazakallah for all of those uh, listeners uh, who have got, uh, who have joined today's uh, discussion, either via text message or via WhatsApp message or actually calling in. Uh, last uh, story that I wanted to cover this evening, uh, and that is, uh, you know, uh, the month of Rajab has now, you know, started. We are almost fourth or fifth of Rajab uh, and uh, inshallah I wanted to just cover and just to uh, you know give a quick reminder with regards to the month of Rajab and the significance of the month of Rajab of course not only is it the fact that it's a sacred month in the Islamic calendar right so that's in, in itself uh, a very significant status for the month of Rajab but also the fact that you know Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, when the month of Rajab would would start would make the, the dua and uh, through that with the Sahaba radiallahu anhu to make the dua and we make the dua Allahumma barik lana fi Rajab wa Sha'ban wa balligana Ramadan oh Allah allow us you know bless for us the month of Rajab bless for us the month of Sha'ban and allow us to witness the month of Ramadan it means we're on the uh, we're on the brink, right? We're just around the corner from the month of Ramadan. Yes, two months away may seem like a lot, a long time away uh, to some people, but in essence, it's not really a lot of time left before the blessed month of Ramadan comes, right? And we should be preparing for the month of Ramadan well in advance. And and, and it's very famously mentioned with regards to the Sahaba, whom they would actually prepare for the month of Ramadan six months in advance, right? So we're talking about two months in advance. Month of Rajab is very, very important, not only in terms of being sacred, not only in terms of being its proximity to the month of Ramadan and, and a good preparation before the month of Ramadan, but it's also very important for a number of other reasons and and there was an, uh, just before i continue in fact uh, immense admiration of rajab by the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam right so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to admire the month of rajab and of course you know rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam would make dua that oh allah bless for us this month of rajab as i mentioned earlier 
All right. In fact, in in one hadith, right, it is mentioned by Abu Fath ibn uh, Abil Fawaris in his uh, Amali dictations, uh, and it's mentioned that uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam would say that Rajab is the month of Allah subhanahu wa taala. Sha'ban is my month, and Ramadan is the month of my Ummah. Wow, that that's quite profound and quite significant, right? With regards to Rajab, Rajab is the month of Allah. Sha'ban is my month, and Ramadan is the month of my Ummah, my followers, right? But over and beyond that, Rajab is an is a very profound month from a historical perspective. We know on the twenty seventh of Rajab, right, it was the Isra wal Mi'raj, right, which 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 was the the night journey and the ascension of the of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, right, to the heavens. Okay, the the night journey to Masjid al-Aqsa, and then the ascension to the heavens and returning with the news that Islam would you know you know would rule the world. We know in the month of Rajab, for example. Example: The second oath of Aqaba took place in the month of Rajab, right? And second uh, pledge of Al-Aqaba was the pledge of establishing the authority of Islam in Medina al-Munawwara, i.e., the establishment of the Islamic State happening in Medina al-Munawwara. The pledge took place. The second pledge of Aqaba took place in the month of Rajab. Battle of Tabuk took place in the year ninth uh, of Hijri, in this blessed month of Rajab. Uh, not only that, Jerusalem, Jerusalem was liberated by Salahuddin Ayyubi in Rajab 583. Uh, Subhanallah, again in this blessed month of Rajab, on the 28th of Rajab 1342. 28th of Rajab 1342, which is which is. Uh, uh, equivalent to the 3rd of March 1924, another historical event took place, right? And that was that the Uthmani Khilafah, the Ottoman Khilafah, was destroyed and officially abolished by Kamal Ataturk. So, a number of key events happening in this month of Rajab, right? So, that gives it a further significance, right, and further importance for us to reflect upon in terms of the great events that took place. And any of these events you can actually take and you can do a deep dive and you can do a further study and you can then see what are the lessons that we can take from this. So whether it's Isra wal Mi'raj, Isra wal Mi'raj, Allahu Akbar, it is full of full of lessons. It is full of reflections. It is full of so many, so many lessons that we can take as an Ummah from from the the trials and uh, the tri tribulations and the year of sadness that the Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi was experiencing, and then the high of Isra and the high of Mi'raj that Allah subhanahu wa taala chose to take the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi on this journey to show the signs to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi to show him the, the 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 signs of not only the creation and not only of uh, of Al-Aqsa. But then also the creation which we are, which is over and beyond us, and Subhanallah, that would be the the solace, and that would be the comforting factor, and that would be uh, the insight that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam would be given, and the confidence, and the comfort, and the solace that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi would be given after the year of sadness in which the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam lost Khadija radiallahu taala anha, and also lost his uncle and protector Abu Talib.
And so subhanAllah from that we can take so much in terms of significance of, of uh, Al-Aqsa uh, for the believers, for this Ummah uh, today and also in terms of the, the solace and, and the comfort that we would then also take with regards to uh, the Asra wal Mi'raj uh, and that was given to the Prophet and also to given to this Ummah in terms of the victory, in terms of the promise of victory, in terms of establishing Islam. Uh, that was given to the Prophet ﷺ is also a promise given to this Ummah. Uh, with regards to the second oath of Al-Aqaba, then we also know that that was a, a foundational point that took place in this month and then later it was the the, the root cause or uh, one of the, the stepping stones for establishing Islam and subhanAllah we know that it was in this month that Jerusalem itself was liberated by Salahuddin Ayyubi and subhanAllah it may be in the future in this month again once again that inshallah those lands are also opened up to Islam and to the Muslims. So overall, inshallah, a very, very significant month, a very, very important month for us to reflect upon, a month for us to start to prepare for Ramadan, as a month for us to acquaint ourselves with the details around Isra wal Mi'raj, it, the event itself, its glory, how the, the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took the message of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa upon these journeys to give him that comfort and that solace and that support. And how we can then reflect upon that because of surely with hardship comes ease was the essence of the message to the message of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ten years of revelation of da'wah, years of sadness. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honors the message of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with this amazing, amazing journey uh, to show signs, to strengthen him, to carry the da'wah. And likewise, it, it is also equally equivalent uh, equally applicable to us to strengthen us so that we are able to carry the da'wah in these times of trials and tribulations. Uh, and subhanAllah also to show us the significance of Jerusalem, the significance of Jerusalem as it was during the Isra wal Mi'raj is equally as significant for us today. Uh, and subhanAllah, so we should reflect upon Isra wal Mi'raj in this month of Rajab. Uh, and also, likewise, we should also reflect upon the opening off of Al Aqsa by Salahuddin Ayyubi in this month and also when we're reflecting upon the fact that it was also in this month in which uh, Kamal Ataturk officially abolished the Ottoman Caliphate in 1342 which was 1924 inshallah it should be uh, you know it should be something as a source of reflection and source of inspiration that is also in this month which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave many many victories Anyway, so that 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 was my uh, quick reflection on the on the month of Rajab. Not only only to mention, also to mention the fact that we should use this month as an opportunity for us to start to begin us uh, to acquaint ourselves acquaint ourselves with fasting in this month. It's still a bit of a a small day, inshallah, short day, inshallah. So start preparing yourself, equipping yourself, and getting yourself accustomed to fasting before the month of Sha'ban. And, and in the month of Sha'ban, of course, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi would increase his fasting in readiness in preparation for the month of Ramadan right folks that's about it for a Friday Night Live this evening with me Hafiz Shaban inshallah ta'ala we're about to come into the end of the show inshallah ta'ala last 30 or 40 seconds remaining
Uh, do send in your feedback and your thoughts, inshallah, and any of the stories that we've been covering this evening. Send in your feedback also on Facebook, right? So we do put the show up on Facebook, uh, so you can see it, you can see us uh, live in the studio hosting the the show, or you can listen to us on on the audio. Send in your feedback. Do like the shows, inshallah, and if you've got any suggestions. Do send in your suggestions. We also actually in welcome suggestions from our listeners in terms of stories that we should be covering in the future show. So if you've got a suggestion, you know, why don't you send us your suggestion? And you know what? We might pick it up as a story in the future uh, uh, future shows, inshallah. Okay, that's about it, inshallah. Until next week, I'm going to sign out uh, from Friday Night Live for this week, inshallah, on the 28th of February. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at InspireFM Luton.